Good morning and welcome to chapel. Please stand and we're going to sing number 30 in the green book, Jesus Christ is Waiting. Please stand. Chapel. I'm Karina Kreider and I'm Andrea Moya. We would like to start with the passing of the peace. Take a few minutes to greet the people around you, acknowledging that we're all important members of our community. Thank you. Head back to your seats. In November, a group of 35 Goshen students, as well as four faculty staff and one AMBS student, made the 15-hour drive to Georgia for the School of Americas, or SOA, protest. The SOA is a combat training school for Latin American soldiers, located at Fort Benning, Georgia. In 2001, it was renamed WINSEC. Since 1946, the SOA has trained over 64,000 Latin American soldiers. Bless you. <laughs> They have been trained in counterinsurgency techniques, military intelligence, and interrogation tactics. These graduates have consistently used their skills to wage a war against their own people. Hundreds of thousands of Latin Americans have been tortured, raped, assassinated, disappeared, 
massacred, and forced into refugee status by those trained at the SOA. One well-known public figure whose life was ended by graduates of the SOA is Oscar Romero. Oscar Romero was a bishop of the Catholic Church in El Salvador and Archbishop of San Salvador. He spoke out against poverty, social injustice, assassinations, and torture. He criticized the U.S.'s support of the Salvadoran government and unsuccessfully discouraged the U.S. from giving more financial aid to the military. In one of his sermons, he called on the Salvadoran soldiers as Christians to obey God's higher call and not carry out the government's orders for repression and violation of basic human rights. The following day, March 24, 1980, during Mass, he was shot and killed by members of the Salvadoran death squads, which included two graduates of the SOA. The 1993 United Nations Truth Commission reports on El Salvador identified the man who ordered the assassinations as also being an SOA graduate. Nine years later, on the night of November 16, 1989, a Salvadoran army patrol entered the University of Central America and massacred six Jesuit priests their housekeeper and her daughter. 19 of the military officers for this atrocity have received training at the SOA. In November, my father interviewed John Sobrino, who's a well-known Jesuit priest and theologian. Sobrino lived with these six Jesuit priests who were massacred. In his interview, he said, A mí me mataron a toda la familia. They killed my whole family. Los seis Jesuitas éramos compañeros. The six Jesuits were my peers. Vivíamos juntos. We lived together. Los mataron. They killed them. Los mataron porque era gente dispuesta a cargar una cruz. They killed them because they were willing to carry a cross. Y muchas de ellas cargan por amor. They carried their cross out of love. Tenían una fe que los movía. They had a faith that moved them. The SOA protest is an annual weekend event that takes place outside of the old gates of the school with the goal of closing the school and bringing an awareness to the atrocities committed by the graduates. The weekend protest included speakers and musicians during the day on Saturday, and that evening there were a variety of workshops to choose from. Sunday was the march, which included the names of victims being read and the litany reading, part of which we will do now. No mas, no more, cry the hills of Salvador. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No mas, no more, we must stop the dirty war. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. In Colombia, they have sent more troops to the SOA than any other country. Since 2002 alone, over 35,000 have been killed, and the number of internally displaced has risen to around 6 million. Over 10,000 Colombian soldiers have been trained at the school and linked to many assassinations and disappearances. Reports show that 30 of the 33 Colombian Brigade commanders were trained at the SOA. We cried. No mas, no more, cried the hills of Salvador. 
compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No más, no more. No más, no more. We must stop the dirty war. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No más, no In Syria, broiling and civil war, which is intensified by external support of the insurgents. The Obama administration revealed its sanguinary determination to secure U.S. interests. U.S. attacks on the Syrian people have been seized at this time, but the terrors and horrors of this conflict have not yet subdued. We cry. No mas, no more, cry the hills of Salvador. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No mas, no more, we must stop the dirty war. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. In Honduras, over 400 members of the resistance movement have been killed since the June 28, 2009 SOA graduate-led military coup, and hundreds more are forced into exile, beaten, or detained by the police. Death squads terrorize villages, resisting land displacement in the lower Aguan Valley. Pre-election violence continues to intensify with 18 murders and 15 armed attacks against candidates of the Libre Party, which is read by deposed President Zelay's wife, Jaumara Castro. We stand behind Hondurans for the restoration of democracy. We cry. No mas, no more, cry the hills of Salvador. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No mas, no more, we must stop the dirty war. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. In the United States of America, Congress approved over a trillion dollars for military operations, while 36 million people inside our borders do not have enough to eat. Three million are homeless, and over two million people are locked in cages. We cry. No mas, no more, cry the hills of Salvador. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No mas, no more, we must stop the dirty war. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No more cry the hills of Salvador. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No mas, no more. We must stop the dirty war. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. Good morning, I'm Cecilia, and I will join with Laura, Naomi, and Anya to talk about our experience as first-time attenders of the SOA protest. 
For me, one of the unifying forces of the weekend was learning. Around the world, people recognize the hope education brings. In fact, that is what drives Latin American students to study at the School of the Americas in the first place. Education has the potential to bring us hope for the future, to bring a better understanding of the world around us and skills to benefit our community. However, I don't only find education in traditional academic settings. I find it in experience, dialogue, and activism, all things that I engaged in during my weekend at the School of the Americas in Fort Benning, Georgia. Except this time, every new bit of information seemed like a new weight dropped on my shoulders. The knowledge didn't seem hopeful. Instead, it was shocking and horrifying. For example, the SOA played a key role in the three brutal military dictatorships that ruled Guatemala from 1978 to 1986, as over half of the cabinet officials during that time were SOA graduates. But I try to remember that it is knowledge of the situation which enables us to act. Throughout the weekend, I found meaning in learning about the horrors of the SOA. And even if I didn't feel it initially, there was also hope. It is awareness of these atrocities that brings hope and light. <clears throat> um, I'm Laura, and I was also a first-time attendee. Um, the light Cecilia spoke of that we experience and share through knowledge was a very important part of the SOE trip, particularly through the workshops in which we participated. I got a glimpse into the daily struggles of torture victims and their complex paths toward reconciliation. I heard a panel speak about the ways Christian peacemaker teams are acting as witnesses around the world during tense conflicts, standing in solidarity with Palestinian children, attempting to get to school every day. I watched a documentary on the violent effects military bases have in the communities they are planted in, and how women in those local communities are committed to change. I learned for the first time about the U.S. Occupy Homes movement, in which neighbors band together to save each other from unfair foreclosures. While not all the workshops I attended were connected directly to closing the SOA, the knowledge and insight I gained as a first-time attendee is a light within me burning for justice. I'm Naomi. The last day of the protest was full of thoughtful reflections and memorials for victims of violence perpetuated by the SOA. What struck me most during the vigil was the melding of different religious traditions. One woman, who I had interacted the day before, gave a Mayan blessing before the procession. Throughout the weekend, I was enamored with the different facets of social justice issues explored. All of them were being recognized and all equally important. This was encompassed within the blessing as we turned and faced different directions, blessing and recognizing the elements and their importance in our lives. As we turned toward the east, the sun, which we were calling upon, came out behind the clouds, reminding us that though we come before different places and different faith traditions, we are part of the struggle towards justice for all. I'm Anya Kreider. Bubbles blew across the fence, heralded by our singing, as a gentle sign of our resiliency over barbed wire fences and stoic guards. We affirmed the humanity of the victims of the SOA as we read their names, presenting ourselves for those who could no longer share their stories. 
Through these simple acts of solidarity, I was reminded that others share our overwhelming disillusions. As a community and as individuals, we carry the light, power, and responsibility to speak against the SOA and other such manifestations of inequality. In attending for the first time, I was struck with the decision to embrace or ignore my responsibility. But more importantly, we stand in solidarity with one another, making our passion increasingly more powerful. Good morning, I am Allison Kravis, and I am a senior and one half of the dynamic duo that is your PAX leadership team uh, for this school year. So I will be speaking briefly on confronting evil um, with the importance of Jesus and community. So in my 22 years, I have learned a few things. Perhaps the most depressing of these lessons being that evil is everywhere. Of course, we have the option to ignore this fact. We can turn off the TV, ignore the news, and live solely within our little bubble. But sometimes the evil creeps in and uh, gets a little closer than we'd like to think. This was recently evidenced by the shooting that happened near here in my hometown of Elkhart, Indiana, which claimed three lives, two of whom I formerly shared high school hallways with. Now, as a relatively timid person, I try to imagine facing this evil alone, and I'm terrified. Part of the reason that I'm able to attend things like the SOA protest, and part of the reason I'm able to stand up in front of you here today and talk about it, is because I acknowledge that I am a child of God. And I am also part of a powerful community on campus and off campus. When I look at the evil that I confront in my day-to-day -day life, I feel empowered, remembering that Jesus, too, once looked evil in the eye. In a familiar biblical story of Jesus' temptations in the desert, Satan said that Jesus could rule over all of the world if he only bowed down and worshiped to Satan. And Jesus gave an answer that really empowers me. He told Satan that he bows to no one except to his father, God. Now, I can only hope to show that level of certainty when I'm faced with those situations. And luckily thus far, I've been able to. And I feel like staying informed with what's happening in the world and marching up to the gates at Fort Benning, I have looked injustice in the eye. And I've basically said, I won't stand for you. And I believe that we're all called to do that. I mentioned briefly community, and that is being another part of where I draw my strength from. Standing in a crowd of people during a protest is an incredibly powerful experience. For any of those of you who have attended a protest or have been in a large group of people who are all fighting for the same thing, it's really powerful. Uh, to look around and see just people who are standing alongside you and to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in that situation, I'm really just overcome with awe. Now, as I prepare to graduate in a couple months, that community is something that I'm really going to hold on to. Uh, I know that I'm never alone because God is with me, and there are also people in this world who are willing to fight the good fight by my side. 
And hopefully, uh, as we, I'm sure there'll be a group going to SOA next year to protest again. I encourage all of you who will be returning students to consider going along. Um, and this is an open invitation to you to uh, stay informed with what's happening in the world and to get involved and find a way to confront those injustices and like Jesus, um, look them in the eye and say that you won't stand for those. Thank you. My name is Bob Yoder and I serve as campus pastor. I stood there looking at the hundreds of white crosses, <clears throat> names, ages, and countries of people written on many, but others just had a solitary name or the word child or male or female. We were invited to pick up a cross and carry it with us during the funeral procession. That invitation was quite intimidating for me. How would I choose which cross to cling to? By not choosing a cross, it felt like I was rejecting someone's sacred story, the reality of their dark ending. Of course, there were many other funeral processioners there who would likely pick up those other crosses that I would reject. But, but, <clears throat> in the end, I chose three crosses. One, a little girl age five, the same age as my daughter, Mira. Another, a boy age seven, same age as my son, Josiah. Another, an 18-year-old, symbolizing for me you all as students of Goshen College. On Sunday, the day of the funeral procession, we heard news from Honduras about the national elections taking place on that same day and how the military-backed government shut down the opposition's radio station. As we walked during the funeral procession, I reflected on my recent time in Guatemala, learning about some of the country's darkest hour that continues on. I recalled my times in Palestine, in Israel, in India, and the pain and darkness I encountered in those regions. I remembered many people in my home area here now of Goshen and my real home area of southwestern Pennsylvania, where I grew up. The struggles of many, the pain of many. By its nature, funerals are typically a time where grief is realized, darkness is present. But so is light. And God, I believe, is present in both. God's Spirit dwells and moves in both darkness and light. So on that day in late November in Georgia, as darkness filled my mind, where did I experience God's movement in light? For one, I was grateful for both Kiernan's and Andrea's gentle persistence that I be a driver for one of the vans. For many years, I had wanted to go, but it just seemed that my schedule didn't allow for that. This year, my schedule was somewhat clear, but I was extremely tired by that point in the semester. And so a 15-hour trip two ways over a weekend at the end of late November did not seem very restful to me. I'm so glad that I went. And so the spirit stirring within their passions is one place where I experienced light. I also experienced light in simply being with committed students that weekend. The student leaders were stellar in their organizational efforts. Their cleanup of the church where we slept for two nights was pristine. And everyone's general conduct was to be applauded. I bragged about you all when we came back. 
at this weekend vigil, I did not expect to see several former Goshen College students there or other people that I knew from other parts of my former life. It was good to get reacquainted and to hear a bit of their story and why they were there that weekend. In that funeral procession, as I thought about our wonderful Goshen College students and other younger people there that I knew, I experienced light. And as I think about my own children growing into a world where darkness persists in many forms, I felt a sense of peace and reassurance that there will be people continuing to usher in and live out light. Um, I'm Haley Brooks. I'm one of the leaders of SRC. Um, at this time, we would like you um, to invite you while we sing um, How Can We Be Silent um, to take one of the cards in the baskets, uh, not the crosses, though. Um, they have names of victims of the SOA, and we would like you to commemorate their lives in taking the cards.
You may be seated. Thank you all so much for coming up front to take one of the cards that we have. Um, these are basically, that's the name of a, a victim of the School of the Americas. Um, some list the age and the country. Uh, so right now, I just kind of want to invite us all to, let's take a moment of silence uh, for the name on your card. Um, and I invite you to, uh, if you feel called to maybe say a prayer for the person or for their family in the next coming days, um, or uh, whatever feels right to you, but let's just now take a moment of silence for the victims. Thank you. Um, now, as we are preparing to close out today's chapel service, I just want to give you um, a couple upcoming events that will be happening. Um, first, this Saturday, SRC and PAX will be showing the documentary Romero, which talks a bit about the life of Oscar Romero. Um, we'll be showing that on Saturday at 6 p.m. in the third floor connector, and there will be food provided. Um, and also, there, as you may know, Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Study Day, and there are quite a few opportunities coming up to get uh, convocation and chapel credit. Those would be uh, on Sunday night, Tony Brown, um, an actor and singer Paul Robison will be performing I Go On Singing. Uh, that Sunday, January 19th at 7.30 in Humble Center, and that is free for students. Uh, then Monday morning, the Spoken Word Coffee House, uh, which includes faculty and students reading poetry and writings related to Martin Luther King Jr. That will be uh, January 20th, Monday at 9 a.m. in the uh, Fellowship Hall. Also on Monday morning at 10 a.m., there is a convocation here with Tony Brown, and that is extended to 11.20. And I want to highlight that that one is different than the performance that will be happening on Sunday night. So feel free to attend both. Um, there's also faculty presentations at 2.15 on Monday, including women in the civil rights movement, which is done by Steve Nolt, and that will be in uh, the church room 110. And there's also institutional racism, which will be led by Rebecca Hernandez uh, in the church in room 112. And then also we have the graduate students' presentations at 4.30, that will be on Neighborhood Dumps, which is done by uh, Mary Lee grad students, and that will be in Newcomer 19. And then lastly, uh, at the end of this month, January 31st to February 2nd, is the Intercollegiate Peace Conference Fellowship, or Festival, which will be held at EMU. It is um, peace in practice. What does it look like when theories become action? So if you are interested in learning more about that conference, uh, you can talk to me or you can talk to Eamon um, or you can check out the PAX or SRC Facebook page uh, and we'll be getting you more information on all of that. So, um, listen Lord Jesus, let my fears be few. Walk one step before me and I will follow you. Go in peace, you are dismissed.